0: Let's pray together. Dear Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning to worship your name, to praise you, to celebrate. And Lord, as we go back over your lessons for us today, open our minds, open our hearts, let us hear and digest what you have for us. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. morning. It's so nice to be here with all of you. I'm sure most all of you have heard of the prodigal son. It's about the best known parable there is, I think, or one of them. But, you know, Jesus didn't name it that. That was the name that was put on there later by people that print Bibles And it's not actually a very good name for for this story. This story might best be called uh, the parable of the two lost sons. In this parable, Jesus illustrates for us what God is really like. And he does that by showing us what people are like using the lostness of the two sons and what God is like through the consistent faithful, unfailing love of the father. We look at these characters, we we might be able to see how each of us fits into God's story. First, let's quickly talk about the younger son, because that's the part that y'all probably know best. And that is also what I just read you. The younger son is rebellious. He's arrogant. He's brash. He went to his father and said, Father, I want my inheritance now. What he's really saying is, Father, I don't care if you're alive or dead. Show me the money. And, you know, the father could have, would have been well within his rights to just turn him away, throw him out, whatever. But he didn't. He decided to grant his request. And he divided up his his estate accordingly and gave the younger son his fair share. Well, right after that, within a few days, the young son took off for parts unknown to forge his own life. And you know what? He was happy for a while. I mean, he was in a new place. He was Living large, he had all kinds of money. He was partying day and night. He made all kinds of new fast friends. Maybe they were kind of sketchy, kind of wild friends, but they were more than happy to help him spend his money. And he was really enjoying life until his money dried up. And once his money dried up, his friends were nowhere to be found. Then to make matters worse, there was a famine in the land. He had no food. He had no money to buy food. And he certainly had no friends to help him out. Finally, out of desperation, he hired himself out to a guy who had some fields and some pigs. And the guy hired him to go out and feed the pigs. He was hungry. He was desperate. He took that job. He went out in the field. And you know, as he was feeding these pods to the pigs, he was so hungry that even those pig pods started to look kind of yummy to him. That's probably when he figured out how far he had fallen. That's about the time that he hit bottom. He was embarrassed. He was ashamed. He was hungry. He was exhausted. And so the more he thought about it, he realized, even my father's servants have all the food that they want and then some. And here I am, and I'm out here starving. So he came up with a plan. He decided to go back and confess to his father and say, Father, I've sinned. I know I'm not worthy to be considered your son anymore, but... But can you take me on as one of your hired servants? And at that point, he gathered up all his belongings and he headed home. When he was approaching home, even though he was pretty far off in the distance, his father saw him coming. And his father raced out of the house and ran out to meet him. And When he got to the son, he threw his arms around him and he hugged him and he kissed him. And the son tried to stammer out his confession. Oh, father, I know I've sinned and, and I'm not worthy. And his father said, wait. He told the servants, get my best robe, put a ring on his hand, put some sandals on his feet and go kill the fattened calf. My boy is home and we are going to have a celebration. He welcomed him back. That was the quick version. I tried to be quick. Was it quick? I don't know if it was as quick as I wanted to be, but the second story here is the one that I'd like to land on a little bit for for a few minutes. It's the, the story of the elder brother. We don't talk as much about the elder brother. He wasn't around in the beginning of the story. But the elder brother has spent his life at home living on his father's farm He's the quiet one, the dependable one. He works the farm. He doesn't make any waves. He does what he's told day after day after day. Our lesson doesn't say how he felt when he heard that his younger brother had taken a big chunk of money and headed off to parts unknown. But we do know that even with the younger son gone, the older son Continued to do his obligated duty day after day. One day he came out of the fields, had to be hot that day. He was probably hot and sticky and dirty and sweaty and tired. And as he approaches the house, he sees there's something big going on. There's music, there's people dancing. There's all kinds of party stuff going on. So he grabs one of the servants and says, what's up? Servant says, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf and he's throwing a celebration for him. Isn't that wonderful? Well, the older brother was enraged. He was furious. He refused to even go in the house. Can you imagine what must have been going through his head at that point? He had been in his head, the responsible one, the one keeping everything going while his brother takes a big chunk of money and heads off, unknown if he'll ever be seen again. He's the one working hard day after day. His younger brother only came back after he was flat broke. And yet Dad's throwing him a party. Eventually, the father found out that the elder brother was out there, and he came out and pleaded with him to come in the house, greet his brother and join the celebration. Your brother is home. come join us. Can you hear can you can you imagine what the what the older brother's response was? I've been faithful. I've continued to work this farm. I've never disobeyed you. And you have never given me a thing. Now your son took all that money and headed off into the wilderness. Now he's back and he's broke. And for him, you're throwing a party. Where's my party? What rights do I have in all this? Can you picture that conversation? That's more than just jealousy. He thinks his father owes him something. I do everything around here and nobody notices. Then he shows up out of nowhere and for him you roll out the red carpet. The father replied saying, you are always with me. And all I have is yours. Still, it's right for us to celebrate. Because your brother was dead. And now he's alive. He's back. He was lost. He's back with us. I suspect there was more to that conversation. And what I'm picturing him putting forth is something along the lines of, I didn't disown your brother when he was being disrespectful to me. And I'm not going to disown you now while you're being disrespectful to me. I hope you'll come inside and greet your brother and join this celebration, but the choice is yours. That's how Jesus left that parable. That was the end of it. Jesus never told us whether the older brother ever had a change of heart or whether uh, they ever reconciled. Do you see that in both stories, the sons acted disrespectfully, yet the father continues to love them both? In both stories, the father ran outside to greet them and and to, to meet them where they were, whether it was the young son returning whether it was the older son that was outside in a huff, the father put forth the effort. The father was the one that reached out to both of them. So here's where we are with these two sons. The younger son didn't care whether his father was alive or dead. He didn't care about the farm or about the family or actually about anything other than himself. He didn't miss home either until he hit rock bottom and had the opportunity to actually be out there in the field with those pigs and think about how far he had fallen and how much he missed the security of home. Still, his father welcomed him back with open arms and celebrated because his son had returned safely. On the other hand, the elder brother was the good son he did what was expected on the farm and he was obedient. But was he really good? He seemed to think so. But his words were not the words of a loving son, were they? They were more the words of a hired hand. I did what was expected, I obeyed orders. He treated his father like this was to be some sort of paid transaction. He wasn't showing any love for the father either. He had to see how troubled his father was that his younger son was gone. But there's no indication that he made an offer or made any effort to go find his younger brother and make sure he was okay and to bring him back. And on top of that, he was disrespectful to his father because his father had the audacity to express joy because his young son was still alive and had returned home safely. Now, you might think that Jesus told this parable to a group of people who were who have fallen away in their faith or they hadn't established any faith yet that this will be a really good message of hope that no matter what you've done God is bigger God can take this on God loves you and that would be a really good message but actually that's not the point of this parable at all if we go back to the beginning of Luke 15 The first couple verses, verses 2 and 3 of Luke 15 say, The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. That's right. Jesus told this parable to address the Pharisees, the highly religious folks who took such pride in how religious they were. The narrow-minded, judgmental folks. The Pharisees were like the elder sons. They took such pride in themselves. And they saw, they saw no need for repentance. They felt secure that God owed them something because they were just so good. But as we know, we can't control God just by our obedience isn't that exactly what the elder son was trying to do too? author Tim Keller wrote the prerequisite for receiving the grace of God is to know you need it the prerequisite for receiving the grace of God is to know you need it that's the problem with both of these sons At least the young son, he didn't care in the beginning, but he finally hit the bottom and came home to confess his sins. And when he did that, he was welcomed warmly. The elder son doesn't even see that he's done anything wrong. He doesn't think he has a problem. He thinks it's everyone else's problem. In his mind, he's got nothing to confess. And that's a dangerous place to be there are two ways that people try to act like their own savior. One is to do what the young son did. That is make your own rules and head off. The other way is by believing they are being very good. And as a result, God owes them. Do you see yourselves in either of those characters? I can say that over the years, I can think of times that I have identified with both of them. Not my proudest times, but I can definitely see where I've been. I've gone out on my own or I've become narrow-minded and judgmental of others. It's not a good place to be. You know, the younger son took himself to a far away country where he thought life was going to be good and his life was pretty good until it wasn't for our purposes today, that far away country doesn't have to be a physical place. It's anything that we are keeping to ourselves, keeping inside of us and trying to hide from others, from our family maybe, from God? Is there anything keeping you from an open relationship with him? What could it be? Is it a financial mess? If so, confess it. Tell your family and take steps to make things right. Is it a love of alcohol or some other substance? It's time to address the problem. It's time to make things right. Even if that means AA or rehab, it's time to get right with God. Is it pornography? Is it marital issues? Is it adultery? What's your faraway country? What's keeping you apart from God? He wants to be there for each one of us. He is waiting, always compassionate, always faithful, giving us free will, but always waiting there to welcome us home. Remember that quote, the prerequisite, For receiving the grace of God is to know you need it. We cannot save ourselves no matter how good we want to believe we are. We cannot be good enough to bargain with God. We all need God's saving grace. There is no other way. He's waiting for us. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this parable to illustrate so completely about our human failings, and yet your unfailing, compassionate, faithful love. Lord, help us to search within our hearts to find what it is that's keeping us apart from you and help us to to resolve that in a way that, that we can move forward in full relationship. As we go through this Lenten season, help us to approach this. Help us to examine our lives and give us hope. Give us hope as we approach this Easter season that you are there with your arms open, waiting to welcome us if we will but confess and follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.